Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Their Pitch is a podcast in collaboration with Adidas Football. We hope you like Sweden's newly presented match shirt ahead of the UEFA Women's Euro in England this summer. And if you haven't yet, make sure to visit howtostopsweden.com to read more about the Swedish national team and the players. This week's guest on their pitch is England national team player and Manchester United goalkeeper Mary Earps. She comes from a great season performance-wise with United and it's no surprise that she is talked about as the Lionesses' first goalkeeper choice in this summer's upcoming European Championship. Earps made her senior England debut in 2017 and she was a part of Phil Neville's squad that finished fourth at the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup in France. Before joining Manchester United ahead of the 2019 and 20 season, she spent one year in Germany with VfL Wolfsburg. Since her return to the Women's Super League, Earps' development has been clear to anyone watching. You are listening to their pitch, and this is the Mary Earps episode. For people out there, we want you to just pronounce your name for everyone listening to this podcast. Wouldn't it be great if I just said it wrong, just to annoy everyone? It'd be hilarious. Earps. It would be great. Earps, though. And if you don't know, then just think of burps, and then it rhymes with that. We're back with a new Euro special, and today we have our first ever English player on, Mary Earps. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. We do have a quote from somebody that knows you as a player, teammate, and a friend. Whoa. You found a friend? That's tough. We found a friend. We hear there's about five of them at least. Mm, Yeah. And the Fab Six. Yeah. I'll start, and uh, once you know who it is, just... Shout it out, and I will continue reading the rest after that. Stressed. Mary, Mary Earps. Oh, where do I begin? (laughs) As we both know, we started a bit rocky, mostly because you didn't drink coffee. Ha. But after you came to your senses, as did I, we found ourselves in a situation, well, that only we, the Fab Six, would truly ever understand. You found a way in true English fashion to hold me accountable, but love me through it. And that was just off the pitch. It's got to be Ella Massa, surely. Surely. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that from the first, from Mary Oh Mary. I knew it from that moment, but I thought I'd let you go. But I can't carry on anymore <laughs> without stopping. Okay, go for it. I'm sorry. All right. You want the rest of it? Yeah. Why not? This is making me feel great. Uh, on it. Well, on it. No one will ever truly understand your growth. The absolute strain. To be dead honest, that Z German's mentality plus physically demanded of you, of us. 
You endured so much that year and, insert bleep, look at you now. You deserve it all, my stubborn, inspirational, odd, as all keepers are, fam, and I wouldn't, we wouldn't change a thing. We all are so lucky, we, wait, we all are so lucky to call you one of our own, and Zai can't wait to wear your jersey this summer. We couldn't be more proud of our English cocky half-godmother. <laughs> That's cute. That's so cute. That's Ella Master. And thank you, Ash, for that. Getting us Ella Master, which was incredible. What do you what do you say when somebody says all those nice things about you? What's just giggle awkwardly usually. Um, and that was kind of my go-to. Well, no, it's it's super sweet, obviously. Um Ella's a very good friend of mine. And um, I'm very fortunate that our paths crossed and that we can have a very great friendship now. Very lucky. After the rocky start. Yeah. I, I, I actually need to ask her what the rocky start was. Maybe she didn't like me at the beginning. I'm not really sure. But um, yeah, I think uh, she's a fantastic person. I have a lot of time for Ella and I have a lot of time for her son, my godson. So um yeah, I need, I need to try and catch up with her. She's so busy and important now in Kansas. So she's uh, one of a kind for sure. But we're going to talk about you on this podcast because this episode is about you. So let's talk being called up for the first time. Do you remember what it felt like? Yeah, um, I was 20 at the time. Um, I don't know if I'd come back from school or university or some. I was definitely at home because I was with my mom and dad in the in their house and I had a missed call from uh, the Lioness's team admin person sort of at the time. I thought, this is really, really strange. Uh, Why is she calling me? And um, I think, I think her voice, I can't remember if it was a voice note from Brent himself or if it was from Caroline uh, to just say, Hey, can you give me a call back? And then I spoke to Brent and Brent was like, look, uh, we've had an injury. We want you to come in. Um, for like some training experience, World Cup qualifiers, we want you to be on the bench, whatever. And I was just sort of like, whoa, I didn't, I was like, this isn't, this isn't normal. And, but I was like, yes, I would love to pack my bags, got in the car straight away and just got there as soon as I could. It was amazing. And do you remember your debut? Of course. How can I forget? Uh, That was in uh, Switzerland. And I was shirt number 20. I wasn't 20 years old, but I was shirt number 20. And um, yeah, I think I got about 20 minutes, something like that, at the end, building into the 2017. I think it was the 10th of June, 2017, to be precise. And That's correct. Um, yeah, I just, it was just great. It was just amazing. It was just an amazing feeling. I think obviously um, now there are, there's maybe a pattern now where younger goalkeepers are coming through and getting more opportunities to get caps, which is just amazing. Um, I think that's something that it wasn't really the case when, when I was growing up, it was really difficult. I, I don't think I was, I had got my debut to maybe I was about 24 ish. And I think that was like four years of really trying to like break into the team, like earn the respect of the players around me. Um, Obviously, it was a bit more of a, let's say, old school time. Um, So, yeah, for sure. That was just like a really special moment building into the Euros. And then obviously I got picked to like be the fourth 
goalkeeper, like the training goalkeeper for that tournament. And that I, even though I wasn't in the 23, I was in the 24 and it was always 20. Every, every time Mark Sampson spoke about the team, it was always the 24, never the 23. And he really made an effort to make me feel involved. And um, it was a fantastic experience for me um, to get that. It really felt like a tournament experience, even though, you know, I didn't play. What does it mean to you as a person and a player to to play for England and be be part of the Lionesses? I think, I don't want to say everything because I feel like that's super cliche, but I think in general, like to play for your country is like the greatest honour um, to be selected amongst the best um, of your nation is obviously a huge uh, feeling of accomplishment. But to be honest, as an athlete, I just want to play with and against like the best um, in the world. And we definitely have like some of the best players in the world in, in our team. So to be able to train and play with these players, is just, um, yeah, it's a great privilege and something I don't take for granted. And um, I just try and do my absolute all um, when I represent the badge, whether that be in training or in a game to, uh, yeah, to give my all. And you have, uh, you have 16 caps. Yep. And you've recently really started to become, I think, one of the first choices, at least, to be be a goalkeeper. What does that mean to you, like, to be one of the first, yeah, well, to be the first goalkeeper with England? Yeah, I feel like I don't really look at it as being the first choice goalkeeper. I just look at it that, you know, this is, I kind of was out of the Lionesses for a long time, a time that probably felt a lot longer to me than anybody else because I feel like my life stopped in that sense and it's eight more caps than I ever thought I would ever get. So I think um, that I'm just enjoying every opportunity to train, play, whatever role Serena wants me to play. Obviously, of course, I want to play, but I'm enjoying it so much this season. This this year being back with the Lionesses has been a huge, a huge honour and privilege and um, I've really enjoyed being with the squad again it's just fantastic fantastic environment and um yeah the creme de la creme and and you're and you're saying you say it's eight more than than you than you thought that you'd ever get Mm -hmm. do you do you have a favorite memory or a best memory with the english national team so far oh that's hard i feel like the austria game this year was a real highlight of mine um this year maybe well this season maybe it wasn't this year um, I can't even remember when it was. In. No, I think it was the back end of last year. Yeah, this season. I feel like that was a real highlight of mine. I feel like that was obviously a really tight game and Austria created some chances and um, I was able to make a few saves in that game and it was an important win for us in our World Cup qualification. So I really, really enjoyed that game. That felt like just, yeah, just really, just great that I could do my job for the team. Obviously, I've played for Man United for a few seasons now and um, there's been a few games where, you know, you make saves and you help the team, but then I didn't really feel like before that point I'd done that in an English year. So that was like a hugely proud moment for me that I could maybe put my club form into my form, um, my country form. And yeah, that definitely stands out for me. So, and also I think something that will stand out after the summer is the fact that you guys are playing the Euros on home soil. For sure. And what do you think that will mean for women's football in general, but, but also for, for English football? I think, I hope that it will be a huge catalyst for um, 
more supporters um, to get more actively involved in the game. I think obviously the women's football community is fantastically tight knit in the sense that there's a lot of people who've been around from the get go. But the beauty of kind of the growth of the game is that there are a, a, new, a lot of new fans getting involved, and that doesn't make them any less fan than uh, you know than uh, and should we call them OG fans? But I think that it's really nice how the fan base is growing. I think it's fantastic how um, that then trickles down into more players being able to go professional a lot younger. As a result, then the standard of the game increases and it's sort of this cycle of growth. Um, and I think that's just fantastic. I think you saw that in the London Olympics, how that then, that then cascaded down and the consequence of that in years to come. Um, and I hope that that will be the same here. I think there's been a huge amount of noise and interest already so that is just so exciting to kind of see how that manifests itself in the summer and speaking of uh, of 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 the, of the summer you you play for manchester united and your opening game is at old trafford sold out what does that mean for, that's going to be special i assume being a united player and playing at a sold out old trafford yeah it's like home squared if you know what i mean that's kind of how it feels like. Because obviously I know I've played at Old Trafford twice and the pitch is insane. The stadium is insane. And obviously it comes with a lot of history. Um, and you really feel that when you're there. And I've played there with zero fans in a COVID lockdown. I've played there with 20,000 there was the other month. And then the thought of playing there like full, full out. I don't know what even that is. Like 70, 80,000 people. Like that would be, that would be wild. Like, like Wembley, when we played in front of 78,000, that was insane. And so I can't, I can't really imagine what that's going to feel like. I think obviously I, I'm that I just would want to take that, be as present as I can in that moment. Cause they are like real pinch me moments once in a lifetime type moments. So. And before I let you go to the football analysis part, I would want to know that as an English national team player and a domestic league player living, obviously with all this hype that's going on, you're living the dream in women's football in this fantastic moment where, where the game is growing incredibly. Uh, what, in your opinion, do you think still has to be better in, in England and the WSL? Let's look at it, try and look at it like this. This is how I try. So people speak about a lot of different things that they would like in the game, like VAR, goal line technology, all these types of things. I feel like as a whole, those things are great and they would improve uh, maybe certain decisions in the game or make those decisions more like black and white, like yes, no, what, goal, no goal type thing. And I totally get that. However, the discussion points at the moment are sort of a little bit skewed because so let's take the goal line technology one. If you have the goal line technology, there's no discussion, but you have currently people debating about the game when there's only maybe like one camera filming the game. Right. So like we had a situation very early on in the season with Reading where the goal line, uh, there was there was a goal that wasn't a goal. Supposedly, I don't know if it was in or not because I wasn't watching. I was obviously trying to save the ball. So it hits the bar, bounces down. It's not given as a goal. We will never know whether that was a goal or not, because you've only got perspectives. You've only got one camera from the halfway line looking at the goal to say, oh, from this angle, it looks like a goal. But if you put that camera on the line, on the byline, is it still a goal or not? You don't know. You, you don't know. So I feel like that side of things where it all comes from investment, like 
And the more the game grows, the more investment that goes in, the more cameras that will film games. Like Sky have obviously come into the game and I don't know how many of the cameras they have on a game. It's maybe like seven or eight. I could be completely making that up. But then you get different angles. That's why I think the product's so great on Sky because you've got like replays, you've got all these things that then can make a really fascinating discussion point where you can have, uh, you know, ex-pros come in and sort of say, well, look, this is my opinion and they have a nice little debate on television. But without the accuracy of the cameras or whatever, or different angles or different perspectives, you can't have that healthy debate. I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like a lot of the discussion comes from, you know, like how many people do you know watch every single game? You know, they might have heard somebody watch a game and then their opinion becomes, you know what I mean? It's kind of complicated, but I feel like the more coverage, the better, the more camera angles, the better, the more people are talking about the game, the better. Um, and I feel like that creates like a really healthy discussion. You know, when, when men's football is being discussed, you could have a discussion for hours about like one tiny thing. Was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? But in the women's game, it's hard, it's hard to actually see that sometimes. So I think I would like to see the product be a better women's football product on television um, so that more people can discuss it and have a really great but educated conversation, not just like, oh, I've seen one camera angle, so this is my opinion. Like, no, rewind it, forward it, pause it, let's see it. Let's have a conversation. And that's kind of, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how it works in my brain anyway. I think it makes a lot of sense and I totally agree with you. We we had an instance here in Sweden before Via Play oh, yeah. got the the rights to Dalmar Svenskan. It was uh, one camera production, and it's so hard to you know even write a write a text about it as a, like as, as a journalist right. to write about the game. It's, it's so hard with just one camera. So very appreciative when there's multiple. <laughs> like and and on that point, like look, the way Darzen of what Darzen have done with the Champions League also. I'm not sponsored by Dars and I really should be because I feel like I've just been gassing them up left, right and centre. But I think that they, what they've done with the Champions League and how that they've um, made it accessible, like on YouTube, like I put it on YouTube on my TV and I'm just like, this is great. Like, this is so great. Like how, I don't remember ever being able to do that. Yes. I remember having to go find a screen and watching it on my phone like this, you know, at the dinner table. I don't remember ever sitting back on my couch, you know, going on your smart TV, pressing YouTube, kicking back, watching Wolfsburg versus Barcelona, like just literally just like, wow, this is great. You know, discussion, different camera angles, slow-mos. You're like, yes, this is what we want to see. We want to see, you know, the cameras panning the crowd because it's it's so good. Like it's so great. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, so please feel free to, to move on. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, that was the 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 section of getting to know you as a player. We're going to move on to football analysis. I'm going to mute myself so you won't have to listen to me anymore and me is going to come on. I'm going to put you on the spot here maybe. Because Can't since wait. we are uh, in the collaboration with Adidas oh. uh, and we are Swedish okay. people, uh, you know, uh, when uh, Sweden's uh, new shirt for the Euros launched a couple of weeks back, they had uh, they released this guide called How to Stop Sweden. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was their match. It, it's their match analysis that have made uh, this guide. 
so it's a lot of football analysis and it's like this is how you have to play if you're gonna win Right. against us so wh what do you think about a concept like that and have you seen the guide i haven't seen the guide but i feel like it's something i'm more than happy to read yeah if there's some expert knowledge in there exactly um, you have to these, check it out yeah because these are maybe some players that i play against so i'm more than happy to uh to have a look at it i don't know how i feel about that i think if i if somebody came out and did a guide on how to be england i'd be like what is going on here i wouldn't probably like it um or how to beat my united i wouldn't like it at all I don't want that um, to be out in public, but I definitely like to read it if it's about another team because I like to do my research. Yeah, I, I, you, you will find it on howtostopsweden.com, by the way. I'm going to Google it. Yeah. I'm going to Google yeah, it after this interview. Great. This is my pen. I'm going to Google it. How to stop Sweden. And, and you have three goalkeepers because it's about 31 Swedish national team players uh, describing their strengths. Uh, oh, wow. And you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. You see? Um, so um, let, let's start this section by, we want to know how you ended up becoming a goalkeeper. What's the story behind that? Really simple story. Um, started playing football in the back garden with my brother, just like kicking the ball around, just saw him and my, uh, my brother and my dad playing and wanted to join in, looked fun, joined in, loved it. Um tried to go and join my brother's training but I was too old because girls at that age I was only about eight at the time but I think then by the time I realized I really enjoyed it and my parents were you know I was about nine or ten and couldn't couldn't mix or the coaches of my brother's team were not keen for me to mix but I'm pretty sure there was a rule that said girls and boys can't play football together um it's now changed I think now you can do it till you're 16 which is great um anyway so then I ended up joining a local girls team, my, somebody I went to school with, their dad set the team up because there was a few of us that liked it at school and went down to a training, was just kind of like loving the game, running around like young kids do. And then in the first game, it was like, we're all going to take turns to go and go, you know, like that whole rotation. And then in, or it was a game, it was my turn to play, but it was like my first ever game. I saved a penalty. And then I never wanted to come out of goal ever from that. But it was funny because I remember before I was like really bored and I was like doing cartwheels and my dad was like standing behind my goal. And I was like, dad, don't do this. So boring. I want to play up there, you know, because the ball is all the way down there and you're like waiting for your opportunity to get involved. And then obviously penalty happened, whatever. I saved the penalty and my dad's like, see, if anybody else was in goal, they wouldn't have saved that. And that's like the most typical parent thing you could ever say. And that was it. I was sold. Absolutely sold. He knew what he was doing, your dad, when he was picking your position. I know. Well, I don't know why he thought I'd be any good at it, but he, uh, it seemed to stick anyway. So, Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but I think most people would agree with me that your dad was right. Yeah, he's, I'm sure he would argue that point also. Yeah. But speaking, <laughs> speaking of goalkeeping then, um, what, what do you think is needed, in your opinion, of a modern goalkeeper in today's game and how do you fit in those um modern goalkeeping i feel like the old chestnut is you know really big on now now people want a goalkeeper that can distribute and that can play out from the back but i think the reality of it is that yes those goalkeepers can be successful but it's important to have them 
have a mix. I think it's more important now to be able to play with the ball than ever before and to actually be the 11th player and not just one goalkeeper and 10 outfield players. I feel like that is so clear. Um, the, especially the really successful teams, they all have goalkeepers which have some elements of their game where they can distribute play out and get out of pressure. Um, I think that's important for modern football tactics. Um, I think the most important thing, if you want to be a successful footballer, let alone goalkeeper, is, but especially as a goalkeeper, is, is your mentality. I think psychologically you have to be really um, focused and really strong um, because now, especially more than ever with uh, more opinions, social media, um, video cameras everywhere, watching your every move, I think that you have to be quite thick-skinned to understand that, you know, everyone's entitled to opinion. You're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Somebody's always going to have something negative to say. And usually the negative things are louder than the positive things. You know, you don't often get messages to say, hey, you were great today, but you'd get messages to say, I hate you, die. Um, so those, you have to be really resilient mentally, um, especially when you're paying for, playing for big clubs. So um, I think Manchester United probably opened my eyes to that more than a team I've ever played for before. Um, the, the, um, the worldwide fan base, actually, how many people are watching, how many people care about what you do. Um, and you have to be really resilient. I think my journey, I'd like for my journey to teach people more than anyone that there's no one right way to do things. Um, you don't have to fit a certain mold. You can just be exactly who you are, but you are going to encounter most likely um, are going to encounter ups and downs. And no matter how bad or dark it gets, there is a way back. And that's hard, I think to convey to people. Um, but I want to be like living proof that that is true. Yeah. I mean, we all know that football is most about opinions and and like you said with with the tv productions as well i think we actually started it, this podcast because we wanted to provide uh, to the to the fans and those who, who who is watching the game that you know we want to educate them in a way as well and get to know the players but but this is this is one thing we always get uh, in the question box uh, when we record with a player if they have played in different leagues. So as a goalkeeper, you have been playing in Germany and now you are back in England. What would you say is the biggest differences uh, about goalkeeping in these two leagues? I feel like that is a really easy question for me because to me, the differences are like so obvious. So um, Wolfsburg was an amazing season, an amazing year. I played with a squad of winners um, and it was just so amazing. Um, I think goalkeeping wise, obviously I trained with Amal Schultz and that was a great learning curve for me as well. I was able to, you know, talk to her, ask her questions. She's obviously achieved a lot in her career and in my eyes at that time was the best goalkeeper in the world in my eyes. Um, and I think it was fantastic fantastic to be able to train with her on a daily basis. There was a lot of um, opportunity to do that because the goalkeeper coaching was really prioritized. And, you know, I think we used to get like most days, it felt like anyway, at least 40 minutes with the goalkeeper coach. Um, 40, and, and sometimes that was longer. Sometimes the, the session would be purely technical with the goalkeeping coach. I feel like 
German goalkeepers um, tend to have more of uh, an emphasis on two things, uh, explosive diving and not just like in England, I feel we have a tendency to do what I call a collapse dive, which is almost, if I can describe it, move your feet and then you you dive on the ball and you control the ball down. Whereas if you notice, if you watch like to Stegen, Manuel Neuer or any of the female goalkeepers train also, I don't know if the DFB put a lot of stuff out about the female goalkeepers like training stuff, but I know like obviously Bayern have put out a lot of stuff over the years about Neuer and Barcelona with to Stegen. Uh, and also from previous days at Schalke, etc. you have episodes of them doing these massive dive that's it you think like wow how have they gone that far that high that explosively that quickly and that was a really fantastic learning curve for me I think it changed the way that I dived um and hopefully you can see elements of it in my game as well um definitely that powerful explosive nature that's something that I definitely tried to emulate and bring back there's still some drills now that to this day that we do um that I love um, and they also have a big emphasis on um, blocking, spreading. You can even see it in, um, if you watch, I'm sure you did, watched Barcelona Wolfsburg the other week, how many, there was quite a few 1v1 opportunities, some which um, obviously a couple where they uh, Barcelona scored, obviously, when you have that many. But you can see Amal um, has a very clear shape that she throws. Um, and it's usually with like a long barrier leg uh, with your arms here, putting your chest upright. And that is such a difficult skill to do. Uh, but they have really big emphasis on that. Neuer does the same to Stegen does the same. It's almost like a starfish kind of. Um, so I feel like they have a really clear emphasis on that. And I think that then translates into um, crossing as well. Um, but yeah, those are the two things that I would say are majorly different. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I mean, I did watch that game and I, I actually thought that Almut Schult was really good in, in that game, even though they lost. So yeah, she played well. She did well. Yeah. But uh, when we are recording this, uh, you have uh, now kept more clean sheets in the WSL uh-huh. across your career than any other goalkeeper since the WSL began in 2011. You hold the record of 42 clean sheets in the WSL. What does that mean to you? Such a strange question because... Honestly, it's nice, but it doesn't mean so much to me right now. I know that sounds... People are probably thinking like, what are you going on about? You're lying. And I'm really not lying. I just... And I don't mean it in an ungrateful way. I'm obviously very thankful and that I've been able to do that. Um, And it's a really nice statistic. However, there's so many more things that I would like to achieve, you know, winning trophies um, and playing in the Champions League, winning the Champions League would be beyond anything or, you know, just like really competing at the top of the, the leagues and winning things and playing for my country, all these types of things. Those experiences are much more important than just a, a, a clean sheet statistic. I'm sure that, you know, in a few years time or when I retire, whenever that may be, tomorrow or in 10 years, we'll never know until it happens. Um, I feel like maybe I'll look back on it and be more like proud of it or be more um, excited by that number. But I think that the reality of my career is that I spent a lot of time lower in the league earning my stripes. And so I never really looked at clean sheets. 
you know, I never looked at, oh, you know, I need to keep, I need to concede. Of course, I want to concede less goals and I want to make more saves and I want to be a better... Champions League final will be played on the 28th of May, oh my God, 2022, that's at 8pm in State of France in Saint-Denis, France. Thank you for that, Siri. It's really nice. Um, I feel that um, it would be... It's, yeah, it was something that maybe I'll look back on in the future, obviously, if it's a record that I still keep in that time. But, yeah, the reality is that I've played for, yeah, lower level teams and I never really looked at clean sheets as a way to define my level of success or performance. I never really looked at it as a key metric. Maybe that'll change as um, as we go on, especially now I'm at Manchester United, but I feel like the team goals are much more important than that individual statistic. And also I imagine that, yeah, I think it, it's it's probably something that I would ex- expect like Chelsea or Man City or Arsenal to hold. Maybe I, d- I don't know. It's a, it's a strange one. It's lovely, but it's not something that I look as a metric that defines me as a goalkeeper because I feel like you know you can have great games and not keep a clean sheet. You can also have terrible games and keep keep a clean sheet. So it's really not the best metric you could do everything right and someone puts it in the top corner and that brings you clean sheet but that doesn't make you any less of a great goalkeeper so I think I stopped counting a long 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 time ago I probably never started counting you know I started playing at Doncaster Bells you didn't count clean sheets back then you'd get like one a season (laughs) I mean we we keep the count for you so (laughs) we try at least but this is the last question from me okay Uh, I'm gonna give you a chance to tell or all uh, our listeners, why they should come to England this summer to watch England play football? Uh, because I think it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to watch your home nation. Well, if you're English, your home nation um, in a major tournament, I think it will be really special. Um, and I think if you aren't part of England, then I think, why not come to some of the best grounds in the world and experience women's football? Um, you know, we're going to play in Premier some Premier League stadiums like Old Trafford, like, whoa, what an opportunity. Um, and then obviously Wembley later in the tournament as well. So come and watch and come and support. And um, you can see that women's football has come such a long way between every major tournament. And I think some of the football on show will be absolutely fantastic. Uh, Jasmina wants to know, do you still get as many speeding tickets as you did in Wolfsburg? Wow. That is really outing me. No, not sit touch wood, not too many here. But that's not fair because I didn't understand the blitzers in Germany. It was too hard. It's so funny. I thought they looked like Daleks and I was so distracted. And then I kept getting letters to pay like money. I didn't get it. I didn't get the flashing of red. And then I had to be educated a bit. She hasn't brought up the worst part of that story either. So that's fine. Okay. Next question. Uh, Ellie Green, how does it make you feel that so many people, uh, young and older females look up to you? Yeah, that's a, that's an amazing feeling. Um, I can't really describe it to be honest. I think I just don't th- really think about that in the sense that I look. I, I do obviously look at myself as a role model, and what I the influence that I have and the impact that I can have on others is is important to understand that responsibility. But I think that I just try and be myself, really, and show. I think it's sad that we maybe live in a little bit of a world where footballers are afraid to show their personality, and so that's kind of a narrative that I just don't try and feed into that I'm just myself I'm a bit of a goofball there's nothing really major that special about me I just really like playing football I work very very hard and I just do my best I'm not perfect by any stretch but um, I will always give my all I'm a very passionate person and I'll give everything 
um, for the shirt that I'm wearing. And that's all that I can, I can give you is everything I have. Uh, Cheryl Rowlands wants to know, what was it like playing at Old Trafford with all the fans chanting your name and the team? Yeah, that was, that was crazy. I honestly, there was some people that day, I heard them scream like the whole game. I was like, how have you not lost your voice? It was a bit ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. I think to play at Old Trafford was really special with the fans. It was something that we'd been waiting for for many months. And I'm really glad that we got the win um, to match the energy in the stadium. So Anne wants to know, what's it like having the connection with the supporters that you do? And do you think that this experience will start to go away as the game grows? Oh, I feel that um, I don't really think about the relationship that I have with the fans. I think there's definitely, um, I, I hope that they like me and that they can see that I um, just love what I do and that I try and give absolutely everything, but I've never asked them. It's not something I do, so I don't know how, how they feel. Hopefully they, they can see that I'm very passionate and that I care a lot and that I want to win and that I pretty much, you know, I live and die by, um, by the sword. I do everything I can on a match day and in training and preparation in my life to make sure that I'm good to go on the Sunday and that I perform to the highest level that I can. Um, but yeah, I don't, so I don't really know. I, I feel, I feel good. Like I feel that, um, you know, to have even, I don't think about how many people would like wear my shirt or would shout my name, but I feel like the fact that even one person does it is amazing, you know? So I think that's all I can really go off. So yeah, I think it's just nice to be able to connect after a game and have a conversation. Um, and I feel like I'm able to do that at the moment. And, uh, I can't see that ever changing. It's sometimes it's this difficult. Um, like even at Aston Villa the the other day, like I stay out as long as I can and try and talk to people, sign things, you know, because people have paid money, they've traveled to come and see you. And I think it's really important to give that back as much as you can. And you never want to disappoint anyone. But the reality is I can't, I, you know, I have to travel back on the bus. I then had to do, um, like doping, doping control, drugs testing. So I was being shouted like, Mary, you have to come in. Like you have to come in now. And there's people going, Mary, don't go. Like, can you just do one more? And it's just like really difficult to pull yourself away from that. Um, because I would try and speak to everybody if I could, but there's, it's not always, it's not always realistic. Um, but yeah, I give, I give whatever I can. I try and give away gloves and things um, whenever I can. Uh, Isabel wants to know if you could give young keepers one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I would say be yourself, work hard, but be yourself. I think find your way of doing things, be coachable, listen, listen, take advice. But um, the reality of it is that there's no one right way to do things. Everybody is different. And when it comes to goalkeeping, no one really cares how you save it as long as you save it. So if that means that you have to do, you know, a backflip and kick it over the bar, do that. If it means, you, you know, everyone's strengths and weaknesses are different. You know, some people can jump really high. Some people have are really quick, you know, are very speedy. Uh, some people can dive really well. And yes, you can work on all these things, but play to your strengths and don't, don't try and just copy, don't try and copy everyone else and be something that you're not. Just be yourself. So we'll do a rapid fire, this or that. Um, I don't want you to think. Just choose one option over the other. 
if you if you think I'll have Great. to, you know, disqualify you, um, and it'll be all good. No problem. My favorite type of questions are ones that I don't <laughs> have to think about. All right. So save a penalty or step up to the spot to take care of one yourself. Save a penalty. Winning the Champions League or the Euros. Oh, I'm going to say the Euros because it's closer. Making a save from coming up 1v1 from an attacker or making a spectacular save from a free kick just outside the box. Spectacular. Getting a clean sheet where the ball barely reaches you or having a good game overall that you win but keeps you active but you concede. Oh, the active one. I like to be involved. Both scenarios lead to a goal. Um, starting to build up to an attack from the back with the defenders where you're being pressured or kicking it long straight up to the attackers yourself. The pressure one. The one where I play out under pressure. And with that being said, we're going to wrap up this episode. Mary, we hope you enjoyed it. It was very fun to have you on. And thank you for being on. Thank you very much for having me. I hope that wasn't too boring for you. Yeah, I think this was one of the most fun episodes that we've recorded did you say the most fun? I heard the most. I heard it was the top one. I, that's what I heard. But it could yeah. have been a delay. No, definitely the... Yeah, the top. I thought that. I did think that. Yeah, I thought we one. were vibing. We were definitely yeah, vibing. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks very much, guys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.